of your presence Tis so sweet Tis so sweet To only trust in Jesus In the light and in the darkness The overwhelming kindness Follows me, follows me, and you're still in the fire. Just in case we feel alone, still walking on the
still in the fire Just in case we feel alone Just in case, just in case Still walking on the water You refuse to let us go interesting and you know enlightening especially for me i've listened to my pastors you know talk about new things from the bible and i've learned a lot i hope you've also learned a lot too now we are almost wrapping up the series so um if this is your first time joining us uh so fully benefit from today's message i will enjoy that you go at least three services back or is that two services back where we had your recap then listen to pastor Fenty's message then you can come here I mean, that will bring concepts to you about. So today, I'll just continue from where, or from one major point Pastor Fenton made during the course of his administration on Sunday. One very important thing. And he mentioned God giving us the church as a structure. I mean, that is a very huge concept in talking about things of the kingdom. Very huge concept. And um, before stepping forward, I should especially thank my pastors and directors current house and they've been doing a great job especially since we have had to come totally online um and i should especially thank dg for you know helping us put these videos together and getting it up on youtube <coughs> excuse me getting it up on youtube um he's doing a great job so thank you all god bless you so i said we are going to talk about the concept of church being the structure that god gave to us um, in the kingdom and um before then just a um quick Zero recap now or bring context to this church thing that we're going to talk about today. 
Um, we looked at the review series, we saw how Christ did reveal the from Genesis, the first review ever saw which was revealed of the earth. And then we talked about all that, so different examples, Nehemiah revealed the walls of Jerusalem, and then um, we now went down to man. Man, man. What was the cause or what was the main purpose for man to exist? And we looked into that and we saw how man was how man failed in and of himself, not because yeah, he failed and then um Moving on, the law came into place and the law would not fulfill what it was intended to. Not because the law was weak, but it was made weak through flesh, because the human flesh could not fulfill the law. And then, um, where we are in time and space, the dispensation of God, the dispensation of grace. I will do a little study about that. And this um, this message um, would be more of a study than more of a preaching. So I would like if you can get to know it, because if you are watching this on YouTube, definitely you can't minimize. And then, yeah, I would like us to write down the scriptures, write down the things you've read, and as diligent people, just like the church in the area, go back and make research. You know, we are all men, and at best we can still have mistakes, but check these things out for yourself. Make sure they are convictions for you, not just pastor said, one guy there said. Now, I would say what, you know, I would do the teaching, but you should confirm it, and with the Holy Spirit also. Should do that. So we'll be proceeding today and um, let's see how the Holy Spirit will help us learn from it. So, yeah, the church, uh, where did God talk about the church and everything? So we'll start from that, and that's from Matthew 16 and 13. So most of my reading being amplified. If you have been listening to me for a while now, you know that I love the amplified version, it makes things simple. So, um, Matthew 16 from verse 13. Now, when Jesus went to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they answered, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. So, um, to put this in context, the Jews were always people who um, had prophets around, who were prophets who were going to preach about the gospel. Um, Gospel of Christ in a sense, but more of the coming of the King, the coming of Jesus Christ. So they are prophets, so they were used to that concept, and they even called John the Baptist a prophet. So when they saw it, it was also, you know, it makes sense when they are talking about Jesus as being a prophet or comparing to one of the prophets that came. So um, let's read further, verse 15 now. He said to them, But who do you say I am? You know, we're talking about their personal conviction about Christ. So this brings concepts to, even before we get to what church is itself, this bring, brings concepts to it that the the topic, the revelation of the church, or the revelation of church as it is, as you see further down in the scripture, you see that it has to be a personal thing. That's the first thing. It has to be a personal thing. It has to leave the level of, um, my pastor said, it has to leave the level of, this guy said, it has to be the level of my dad said, it has to be the level of my mom said. It has to be a personal thing. So Christ asks all the people say I am. Then after they all did their, you know, prophets, like that thing, then the next question that came is, who do you say that I am? So in your own personal opinion, who do you say that I am? That was the question. And let's let's read further. Let's see. Then Simon Peter replied, said, You are the Christ. Messiah, like this is amplified now, the Messiah the anointed. So the word Christ there means um, Messiah in the um, what's the word now? The Hebrew translation it means the word Messiah, and um, which means the anointed one. So 
Christ Messiah the same word, but it means the anointed one. So the anointed one means someone who has been appointed to carry out a particular task. So he has been graced for that. And we saw that throughout the reign or the life of the Israelites. When there was meant to be the next king, there has to be an anointing. So the anointing is what you know brings or enables the person to walk in that office effectively. And um, just something crossed my mind. I think the concept needs to change. You know, how in our Sunday schools, when we are told to um, draw the picture or imagine the, um, what Samson looked like, and people go and draw the whole six parks, some can even add it to talk, you know, I don't know, but draw the big muscles and everything just to typify Samson as a very big or strong guy because of the testimony he had, um, the words he fought. But however, uh, Samson was an ordinary man. It was not one special breed. It was not written in the Bible that I went to gym. <laughs> it was not written like that. But it was it was not like it was a special breed. But what made the difference was the anointing. So when the anointing rested on um, Samson, he was able to do such exploits, he was able to you know fight which was and overcome. You know. So it, the, what makes the difference is not the physical build up, it's just the anointing. And you can see that in the life of Christ there. So it says um, you are Christ, like the Messiah, the anointed one. Anointed to what end? You see that further. As we on. So let's continue. So we are doing this gradually because it's a teaching, like I said, and you have to go back, set these things out yourself to affirm it. And you might need to listen to this more than once. So let's read on. Um, Simon Peter replied, You are Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. Then Jesus answered him, Blessed, that is, happy, happy spiritually secure, favored by God, are you, Simon, son of Jonah? Because flesh and blood, that is mortal man, did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I mean, that, that first concept, um, the first um, that concept of church being explained by Jesus Christ himself. If you have a le- red letter Bible, you see it is in red. So Christ has said, he said, thou art Peter. And, you know, we have had um, a couple of our brothers, you know, not fully understanding this and saying that okay that meant that peter would be the pastor as it were or the apostle over the church that peter would be the one to you know, that christ was saying the church was going to build on um, <clears throat> excuse me on peter himself but however when we do an in-depth study to this we found a more profound thing and we saw that um the word peter there is petros and then the word um rock that he used just after that is petra so he was saying, Thou art Peter, which definitely means Petros, which means pebbles or small stones. Then he now said, On this rock, Petra, we like be my church. So he was not referring to Peter in that in any instance. He was referring to a rock. And what was that rock? It was the revelation that Jesus is Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one. And the anointing was majorly to save, to save mankind. So that, that was the Understanding of that part. That's the understanding of that part of the scripture. It says, um, Thou art Peter, and on this rock, the rock is the revelation that Jesus is the child, um, is the Messiah, the anointed one to save. We like in my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail by it. Let's continue reading. Up on, let's read some more. Um, and gates of hell will not prevail, um, prevail by it. That is by preventing resurrection of Christ and all that. Okay, so we'll come back to this towards the end of this um, of today's message. We'll continue from verse 19. But before then, we have to look at the concept of kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, what it meant in the book of Matthew. Because if you go through the book of Matthew, you see different um, instances where about three or four instances, um, 
Matthew mentioned the king, the kingdom of heaven. Yes. No, kingdom of God, I meant. So kingdom of heaven was used more generally in the book of Matthew. But if you go to the other gospels, you see kingdom of God used in place of kingdom of heaven and kingdom of um, what's the name? And kingdom of God. So they just use the general term kingdom of God. So what what happened in the book of Matthew? We have to look into that so that we can understand this. But before we go forward, I just want to analyze this. From the scripture we read, you can see that the definition of church, according to God, like God's church, was not um, VHF, Redeem, whatever, just name it. It was not denominational church. The, the definition of church was, um, and that's where us look at church as a structure. It was, okay, so the kingdom of God is here. And as we're going further, we'll see where, you know, where you talk about the kingdom of God is at hand, where he sent the disciples out to talk about the kingdom of God being at hand, and um, we'll see that we won't get there. So, just so I liked this before getting there, the definition of church was anybody who has come to the realization and the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ being the Messiah or being the Christ, being the anointed one to save mankind. So, that is the definition, not based on what you think is right, not based on our ideologies or differences as as people or as individuals, which they are not in a, um, of themselves wrong, but the church Christ came to establish as a structure is so we have the kingdom, but the structure for people to join this kingdom, there has to be a basic parameter, and that parameter is acknowledging Christ or the Messiah as the anointed one, um, anointed for the sole purpose to save mankind. Hallelujah. So, um, to talk about, to further understand why the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God was used um, in the book of Matthew, we have to first, like I do say this, we have to understand um, Matthew in, time, in the position or from the view of time and space. The book of Matthew was first of all written to the Jews, major to the Jews. But we can see extract lessons from that and But the events that happened then was between a time I called intertestament. You know how we open our Bible and then before Matthew, what we see is the New Testament, they are moving to Matthew. But however, like I do say, a testament is not in effect without the blood of the testator, and that is not my idea. It's, it's scriptural. So let's quickly look at Hebrews 9 um, and verse 16. Hebrews 9 and verse 16. Alright. So for where there is a will, and testaments involved. The death of the one who made it must be established, for a will and testament takes effect only at death, since it is never since it is never enforced as long as the, the one who made it is alive. So testament is just like a will. For example, now um your grandpa, very old, you know, makes a will that okay, so I have about um, 30 estates, and then um, so he calls his lawyer and is like, I want to make a will. And he's saying, um, so I want this estate to go to John, I want this estate to go to James, I want this my money in this account to go to whoever it's going to. He has done that before he died. But it is never in effect. It's no John or James or whoever he has assigned or apportioned anything to cannot just jump into the line and say, Yeah, um, um, my father has said this, therefore I should have the estate when the father is still alive. He's only put into effect, the will is only effective after the death of um, the grandpa, or as it were, the person who made the um, movie. So, same as testament. Testament are with the same thing. So, the testament or the new testament was never in effect until the death of the testator, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Alright, so um, that's just to establish that. Now, to understand that, so we can easily call or just categorize um, the series that um, showed up from, say, John the Baptist, and I'll tell you why I'm starting from John the, um, John the Baptist briefly, up until when Jesus died as the intertestaments, the period between the Old Testament and transitioning to the New Testament. And we'll focus a little on that part today so that we can understand a couple of things. So, we should agree now that intertestament is what we are dealing with for now, intertestament up until Jesus died. So, it was during the intertestament time, the testament was only in effect. Now, why I mentioned John and why I mentioned from the period of John and everything is because when just before we get to Matthew 15, if you check Matthew 11, Matthew 6, um, Matthew 10, you turn all through the pages of Matthew, you keep seeing, um, you keep seeing references to the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, and in some instances, kingdom of God. Like in Matthew 6, there about is it Matthew 4, Matthew 6? Seek for the kingdom of God. You mentioned kingdom of God, and this is Matthew. Um, so let's further understand this. If you go to, um, where should we start from? Let's check Matthew 11. Matthew 11. And um, I think we just jump down to verse 12 because of time. So Matthew 11, 12. Uh, yeah. 12. Uh, okay, yeah. So from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assaults and violent men seize it by force as a precious gift. Now this is amplified like I said, so it's explaining a couple of things in the text. So um since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. That brings to concept that this matter about the kingdom sorry, the kingdom of um let, let's pay attention to that kingdom of heaven, not kingdom of God. Apologies. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. So that means uh, before then, before the days of John, the kingdom of heaven was not really something that suffered violence. That and suffered violence is just um, there's a lot of violence that's been taking place. And then further down it says, and only the violent men seize it by force as a precious gift. So only the people that see the kingdom as a precious gift, only the people who understand and are ready to sell everything. And you check if, um, the parables of the kingdom when you um, read further in, um, I think Matthew eleven, not eleven now. Um, 14, 16 thereabouts. You see that when God was into, uh, when God was in a parable about the kingdom, he said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that you know, two different instances that saw a um, prized piece of land that contains gems and sold everything he had to get it. So that is explaining the desperation that is needed into entering into the kingdom or benefiting from the kingdom since the days of John the Baptist. That means John the Baptist brought a dimension to the kingdom that caused a lot of trouble or caused the world as in, in and of itself to you know cause um, to bring violence upon the church so it's it's worthy that if you want to look or understand the kingdom in time and space that we are praised the time and space of grace that we are praised you should look we should start from john then look into jesus christ and finally maybe not in this um message but then we'll look into paul because i think paul brought a dimension of grace in that um, um a, a dimension of grace to the old kingdom precepts, which I think is very important for us to look into. Alright, so since the days of John the Baptist, let's look at what John the Baptist preached. Um, and you check Matthew 10, we won't go into that. You see that um, when Christ was, we'll go back to Matthew 10 briefly, but let's go to, um, what should we check for John the Baptist? Matthew 3. Um, Matthew 3, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll start from verse 17. 
let's start from verse 1. <clears throat> so let's take the first three verses. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, along the western side of the Dead Sea, and saying, Repent, change your inner self, that is um, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that, provo- that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your, for your life. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you see it in KJV, um, KJV and a couple of other um, what's the translations. They have that repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? But Amplified here is giving us um, insight into what he meant by repent. So he says um, to repent it means change your inner self. So repentance first thing we learn about you can learn about repentance is first it has to be from the inner part. So it has to be from the inside man, not from what you just do and everything. So that's be from inside. So it says change your inner self. Now, now further explains what he meant by change your inner self. He said your old way of thinking, and this is mindset, and you can see that in Romans 12. You know, he says renew your mind daily. So he says change your old way of thinking, regret past sins. Now, please, uh, I would just I would like us to explain things very well. Like I said, this is teaching, so you know we have to break things down to the best that we can for everyone to understand. So he says. We get to pass sin, and you know we live in a world where the definition of sin itself, you know, is how can I say it? It is not properly defined in context to quite a number of people. So what exactly is sin? You know, I did a, a bit of research, and I found that the word sin in um, in Hebrew is the word katar. I've forgotten the Greek translation, but it's the word katar. And what does it mean? Um, it means to not meet up to a particular requirement, to not serve purpose, to not serve a particular function. I think there's a phrase I wrote down that I really love as I found it. It says, okay, to fail or to miss the goal. So when we say man was a born sinner, was not as a reason of him stealing or as a reason of him killing or kidnapping or any of sorts. It is because man has lost, um, has missed the goal. Yeah. I love that phrase, miss the goal. Man has missed the goal in the Garden of Eden. And you know, we talked about that um, in previous episodes. So, man has missed the goal. So, everything he does is stemmed from the point where he has missed the goal. So, it automatically becomes sin. So, to deal with sin itself, or to not be a sinner, is to deal with sin. Which means man has to go back to the goal. Man has to be focused on the goal. And that is why at the end of this um, definition of um, repent, it says, see God's purpose for your life. So after changing your mind, you know, after regretting past sins, leave your life in a way that improves repentance. That is, you can't just say your mind is changed; it has to reflect outward too. You know. Then it says, seek God, seek, I'm sorry, seek God's purpose for your life. That is, seek God's purpose for your life. Because in the first instance, where we got it wrong as being sinner is just because we missed our purpose. We we missed the goal of why we were created, and as we have seen in. Um, Genesis 1, why man was created, and the only difference that um, what differentiates man and the other creatures or creations of God um, is the fact that we have dominion, and we define dominion as the authority to rule. And for man, it's the authority to rule here on earth. But um, we also explain that authority has to stem from a higher point. Um, someone who is um, high of the ladder as regards that concept or that particular thing. And we saw the um, what's the name? The centurion servant and everything to explain how authority comes. So, if you want to accept or exercise anything, you have to have an authority. The authority stems from the point where someone who is higher than you, as regards that concept, as regards that teaching, 
has given you the right to. And that's why certification is also very important. You see, the system of this world even understands authority. Someone who has gone through such trade and has proven worthy of understanding the concept and the um, underpinnings of such trade or work or profession is now certified. He's saying that, okay, so this person is, um, is certified or is now qualified to operate in this line. So that is what authority means, and that's what Christ gave us. Authority to rule here on earth stemmed from the point where God created man in his image and likeness. But we lost that when man decided to define, um, to be the compass for defi defining his, uh, whatever is good or whatever is bad. Man did not choose Christ, as we have seen that. So we talked a lot about that, so you, have to read, you have to watch that episode. That's just a brief summary. So that's, that's what he's talking about here. And said, um, so in summary, he was saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? So the next thing uh, is, let's look at what Jesus Christ said, because it has been since the days of John the Baptist. And this will help us understand um, what Matthew saw um, in some instances that he had to use the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. So um, let's move to the next chapter, address the next chapter, and um, let's take it from verse 17 this time around. 17. So um, for the time for the time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, that is change your life, your old ways, and all that, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means these people came and thought about repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Starting from John up until Jesus, and up until the time he was even talking in Matthew 16. That was the message we were preaching. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means the kingdom of God is not um, it's not far away from you. It's, it's something that is close by. So, and that um, in and of itself brought struggle to people who were heirs of the kingdom. You know, so that's why Christ said in Matthew 16 that since the days of John the Baptist, up until now, the kingdom of God has suffered. So, what brought about the power? Because the, um, if you look at it from the Old Testament, the children of Israel were expecting the Savior, were expecting the Messiah. But now they got the Messiah. And they are saying that the kingdom of God is now at hand, it's no longer far away. The kingdom of God is here. You know, yeah. And it's caused trouble for the people who were heirs of the kingdom, or the people who found or who relate themselves to the kingdom. And if you see in Matthew 10, we read further down with it, um, it, it talked about um, Christ said, If I've had to suffer these things, definitely don't expect less. Because if the, um, the Firstborn or the head of the house, which is Christ Himself, that is, has been misunderstood and suffered all these things. Definitely, you should not expect less, but be ready to go through this nonetheless. That's I'm just paraphrasing. So you can read Matthew 10 downwards. Uh, that's from that's from verse 12 downwards. So you will see that uh, the dimension John brought and Jesus enforced, you know, about the kingdom caused trouble for especially the Jews in this setting. And the Jews are the ones the promise were directly given unto. So let's understand what happened. So I did a bit of research, and this is research, you know, there are available materials, a lot of script online that you can read. There are different ideas, and I'll tell you the different you know, understanding to this. There is a school of thought that has it that the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven as used in Matthew are the same thing. So it's just a play of words. There is another school of thought that has it that um, the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven mean different things, and there are different things. Um, that he gave but now through um from the you know i had to read extensively to read from different way people had contradicting point of view to able to understand this very well so when you're doing your research please make sure you don't just read things that don't read to justify what i've said read to do your research look at opposing views and everything but with the help of the spirit i think the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god and also um 
um, what's it? You can check messages too, or about Kingdom of Heaven or teaching about Matthew, the book of Matthew. I think it will help you understand this. I'm giving you these resources so that you can do your research. <laughs> so the Kingdom of God and the Kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of Heaven, as a word to the Jews, and we have to understand that the Jews were people who count, um, who saw the name. God, the name God, because God can be used as a common noun and a proper noun. So in this context, as a proper noun, they saw it as something very sacred. So a normal Jew would not want to call the name God. They believe it's a sin. So they would prefer to say heaven instead of God. But we find instances where Matthew just had to say kingdom of God. So what was he referring to? And if you check all through the book of Matthew, I think so far, man, that's past the test. And um, so the kingdom of heaven. The Jews had something that they believed was going to be the return or will um, welcome them to the kingdom of heaven as it were, which is that Christ will come and be the king physically here on earth and uh, you know all other kingdoms or all other countries or all other institutions would have to reference God because God is going to rule from Jerusalem. And that's very true because we'll go into the book of Revelation. There are other pages you can check um, you can check in Joel, you can check in Daniel to reinforce this, but for the sake of time, we'll read Revelations um, 19 20. No, let's do 2021. Then we'll just speak a verse from 19. So, to understand what the Jews actually saw or thought about the kingdom of God, then we'll come back to it. So, let's let's check out um, Revelations 20 first. Revelations 20. I think I'll just do the first three verses. Alright. And then I saw an angel descending from heaven, holding the key of the abyss, the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. Sorry. And he overpowered and laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, or um, who, sorry, the old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him securely for a thousand years, that is a millennium. And the angel hauled him into the abyss and closed it and sealed it. And sealed his abode in, preventing his escape or rescue, so that he would no longer deceive and seduce nations until the thousand years were at an end. After these things, he must be liberated for a short time. So this, um, this some people I've talked about this as you know, we call this period of time the millennium reign, and this is just after the Great Tribulation. I won't go into teaching on Great Tribulations, there are some principles, but, but then after the old Great Tribulation, after everything happens, then there is going to be a period of a thousand years where there won't be strife because the devil will be, be kept in chains and locked up. So there is that period, and this was what the Jews were looking forward to, or they were expecting. That period where, um, let's read further in it, so we'll see where, um, let's go to verse 7. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive and mislead the nations where, which are in the four corners of the earth, including Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. This number is like the sound of the seashore, and they swarmed up um, over, the, over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, God's people, and beloved city Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So um, after when the devil is released after 1,000 years, the Bible is saying that he will come again to deceive some people to cause another rebel, which leads some them, which leads to another rebel that you know, they will fight against God. Then it says that they will come and attack the beloved city Jerusalem. You can see Jerusalem showing up here, right? Jerusalem. So um, let's go to verse 
chapter 21. Let's start from verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is after the fight of the after the 1,000 years, the fight that includes Bog and Magog, um, and Christ has come to he has overcome the devil finally, finally. So then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of coming down out of heaven from God. I read like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away tear from their eyes, and they will no longer be dead, and they will no longer be dead. There will no longer there will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former order of things are passed away. So we can see here that the new heaven and the new earth. So Christ was like bringing down. We can see Jerusalem to be fine here, but we have to be careful. He said a new Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, as we knew it before, had already gone. And in previous chapter, um, chapter that's chapter twenty, we saw that um, Christ came. That's during the millennial reign and was ruling through um, the through Jerusalem. Being the capital, so Jerusalem was like the capital, as we have in Nigeria here that Abuja is currently the capital. So Jerusalem was like the capital of the world during the millennium reign. Right? Please follow me closely, and you can read this thing. So, so this and during that time, it was a time for the you know the Jews to feel in charge of stuff and everything, big boys and everything. They were the ones in control of the world. But that was what they were looking up to, you know. But at that time, they were under oppression. They were slaves to um, to to the let's say Roman Empire now, but they were slaves to Rome um, to the Romans. I mean, so they were under oppression. So when Jesus came, you know, when John started this message, yeah, um, repent and for the kingdom of God is at hand. They're like, okay, okay. So finally, we can leave this oppression and become the center focus of the world. We can leave this oppressed life that we are staying and living under the Roman rule and become the the centerpiece. The you know. The what was the word now? The bride, as it were, as seen in Revelation, of the of the word now. So Jerusalem will be the capital. But however, Christ didn't come. Like he came there and you were expecting, so you just come and come with all power and might, as we have seen in um, Revelation 20, where he came with all power and might to conquer the devil. If I read verse 19, we'll come back to Revelation 20 to differentiate between what um, the 1000 years we entail and what the new Jerusalem is in verse in chapter 21. We'll see it in chapter 19. But before we get there, um, to understand, so the Jews saw the kingdom of heaven as something that, as something that, okay, it's a time for Jesus Christ to come physically to reign here on earth and make Jerusalem the headquarters. But that didn't happen. It didn't happen immediately as, as at then. So they were expecting that, is this truly Christ? Is this really the one that will save us? I mean, you said the kingdom is at hand and we are still under oppression in Rome. So it already created a mindset, it created a mind shift of uh, this really is not the Christ. And that was what led them to, you know, kill Jesus Christ. That was what led them to kill Jesus Christ because they saw him as an impostor. And till today, the Jews are still expecting the Messiah to come. But Jesus Christ was bringing a concept it started from the days of John the Baptist, John the Baptist that before, you know, you are going to be the rulers, you know, you are going to be the centerpiece, you want to be free. But he's saying that the freedom you are expecting here is physical. But before you can enjoy that physical freedom, there has to be the freedom of sin, um, free, um, freedom from sin, I mean, freedom from sin. So he came and said, okay, I'm going to, the dimension of the kingdom that we exist now will be the spiritual dimension. 
whereby he, he defined it in terms of um, defined church in terms of the spiritual dimension that anyone who believes in me as the Messiah, the one who has come to save them, the one who has come to save them would be a part of this church, would be a part of this body. So these people are like my spiritual kingdom. Till the physical kingdom, which we saw um, the millennium will be established. But the Jews did not have that concept. They didn't have that understanding. That was what John, the dimension John brought, and Jesus also continued with. And we'll see later on that Paul also emphasized on that. So we'll see that later. We'll come to that. We may not do it today, but we'll see that later. That's that's of Paul. Um, so they, in their mindset, when, when the book of Matthew was written, because there was this disparity between what they thought the kingdom should be. So times where um, it was written as kingdom of heaven. It was referring more to the physical oppression of Christ here on earth as the king, which we have seen in Revelation that it would definitely still happen. So it was looking at that, that's what the Jews were expecting. But when Jesus brought this new dimension, and you see when uh, what's the name? Matthew had to refer to the spiritual aspect of things, you know, being the first step, they had to refer to the kingdom of God in the light of starting from the spiritual um, side of things, spiritual kingdom side of things. He had to use the word kingdom of God. Now you can check the Bible, you can check different references where he has used the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. You see that kingdom of God, he sparingly used kingdom of God actually. They used it about three or four times throughout the book of Matthew, uh, throughout the book of Matthew but he used more of kingdom of heaven. So kingdom of heaven was how the Jews understood the kingdom um, to be, which was Christ coming in his full um, uh, military uniform to fight and then put um, overcome, then Jerusalem will be the headquarters and then rule, which we have seen in Revelation, you can read the book of Daniel and all that to further understand that. Then um, that, was, that was what they were expecting. But since Christ was bringing a concept of salvation first, of spiritual kingdom first, that is delivering them from sin itself, before stepping into that realm of um, the physical kingdom, he was saying, okay, let's get people into the spiritual kingdom, let them be free from the bondage of sin before being free from these physical chains. They did not understand that, and so they, you know, they missed out on that, and they had to crucify Jesus Christ because they thought he was an impostor. So till tomorrow, they are still expecting the Savior, which has come. So the idea the Jews had about the kingdom was a little different from what Christ came in with, or what John the Baptist brought into into the old equation of the kingdom. So Christ was more of to be saved, to be a part of this kingdom. I have to create a structure, and that structure is called church. And the definition of church we have seen earlier, that it's for the people who have believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one to save them from their sin. Then you can be fit. That's the structure you have to conform to, to be a part of the kingdom. But, you know, the Jews thought it was, they didn't need all that, that it was their right. Well, God promised them that they were going to, you know, the promise was directly to them before it gets to the other part, um, to the outer part of the world. But... The Jews themselves did not understand the whole concept of you know having to first believe in Jesus, one Jesus from one somewhere, one carpenter that you know that we have to believe in him first before we can enter the kingdom. They believed they were it was their rightful um, position. And when they were talking about the kingdom, it was not there was no dramatic move like you know God coming down with one mighty sword and you know saving them from the oppression. Don't forget they were in the oppression from they were under slavery to the Romans. So he didn't come to do any of that, and I was expecting them to. Um, accept him as the as their lord or anything like that or as their king at that point so that led them to crucify Jesus Christ so we can see that when the equation of um, being the spiritual kingdom was introduced first it was a trouble it was a tug of war for um, for 
the Jews then to accept it that this is the structure. And Christ even said it in like we saw in Matthew 16 that there's a structure which is called church. So everybody who follows that structure belongs to the kingdom. So that's the spiritual kingdom. And the use of words as spiritual um, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, they are pretty much the same. It's just that kingdom of God, as used in Matthew, according to um, what I've read so far, as used in Matthew, shows that um, shows the kingdom of God physical and spiritual. Shows the, also um, emphasizes or lays emphasis on the spiritual part of things as regards the kingdom of God, which is the grace that we have come to enjoy currently. Because God is not yet, Jesus is not yet truly directly on earth. So, um, but the kingdom of heaven was more of the physical reign of Christ here on earth, which we have seen in Revelation. So, so I said I would, um, before moving forward, I would just try to explain the difference between the rule in or the reign of Christ in Revelation 20. Um, and Revelations 21. So I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that just now. So let's read again Revelations 20, where it said, um, I think from verse two now. And overpowered and laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent of um, primeval times. Who in sorry, who is the devil and Satan? And bound him securely for a thousand years. Okay, this still. So 21 is where we are. So Revelation 21, this is where he said, um, verse 2 now, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, where I said New Jerusalem, right? Coming down out of heaven from God. I read like a bride, adorned for her husband. So you can see the word bride used over time in this, um, especially in the book of Revelation. So what exactly did he mean? Because he has said before then that, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. That is the first heaven, what we knew as the first heaven, correct? What we have now, the oppression we have now, had already passed away. So it was a new heaven and a new earth. Then it said, in new Jerusalem. So it could not be the Jerusalem we know today, but the Jerusalem that only involved the Jews. So let's see what it means. And that's where um, chapter 19, we'll just quickly go back to chapter 19 and verse 6. Yeah, it says, Then I heard something like a shout of a vast multitude, and like the boom of many pounding waves, and like the roar of many peals of thunder saying hallelujah for the lord god for the lord our god the, sorry hallelujah for the lord our god the almighty the omnipotent the ruler of all winds let us rejoice and shout for joy let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the lamb has come and at last and his bride the redeemed has prepared herself so we can see the word bride used there and in amplified the, um, the expression of the on the word bride as the redeemed so those who are who are bought by the precious blood of christ at the bride, so which means in after the millennium reign, which was you know, basically for the Jews, after the millennium reign, there is the new heaven and the new earth. Will now be a combination of those who are who belong to the spiritual kingdom, which in the book of Matthew we we have come to terms to understand that it's, it was a um, kingdom of God. What as uh, Matthew we have is the kingdom of God. So the spiritual kingdom, and yes, people will conform in the physical. Um, at the physical parts you know, of the millennium reign, people will conform or stay under the leadership of Christ. So. Yeah, that's that's just to clarify that. So the new heavens and the new earth is not just excluded to the Jer um, to the physical Jerusalem we have now, but more of the people who are you know, who have submitted their wills to Christ, who have accepted Christ as their rule. That is the redeemed of God. So that's just to talk about that. Um, so uh, where did I come from? Okay, I was talking about the church um, being a structure and how. What John the Baptist and Jesus, um, Jesus Christ brought into the equation that caused you know suffering to happen to people who believe in the kingdom. Uh, it's a two-sided thing, and I've just shared one side. One side talks about um, 
the fact that they brought a whole new concept that the Jews were not anticipating, they didn't know of, but it was very key to enter into the kingdom. Then the other part is because the structure and this that's for the Jews. Now on the Gentile part, which is where we come in, um, which is where we exist in time and space currently, is um, the, the issue there, what has caused there to be suffering or um, since days of joint baptism up until now, the church has suffered violence. Why the word or people against the church? Which I don't forget, church now is not a local organization, a local um, church as it were, that we have denominational church. Now, the church, the body of Christ, why it has been tough is because since man fell, since man committed sin, which we defined earlier, since man lost focus of that target, uh, man has decided to dictate the rules or be the one to define um, his moral compass, what is right and what is wrong. So that has created, uh, if you listen to a couple of episodes past, that has created a gap for Satan to leverage on the lust of man. Because everything we see, even when Christ came, it was tested and what um, the major temptation that he faced was to check if there was lust in it. And um, Christ would easily say that the prince of this world came and found nothing in me because there was no lust. But man decided to rule um, in his own accord, which means he was ruling by his lust. Then all Satan does, the only power Satan has, the only power that we give him, um, the only authority, let's put as authority, not power now, the only authority, the right to exercise that power that I'll give you is when we have um, the element of flesh operating, when we have our lives being ruled. So Satan leverages on that. I mean, look at the temptation of Christ. He didn't push Jesus. He didn't say, you have to do this. No. He asked Jesus, if thou art the son of living God, do this. And if he did that, we could say that you will have made him the... Um, um, the economic desire, different things that um, you can see from the temptation. So Satan will have leverage on Christ, you know, probably wanting to show power in the field, and then made uh, making um, the uh, economic desire and um, cause him to sin, as we define sin to be um, um, sin to be um, when you have lost focus or when you are not um, meeting up to the standard of why you are created. So that is what sin is. So Christ will have also missed that. But thank, thankful to our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm truly happy. Of Christ, of God, I mean, it's Christ. He didn't feel, he didn't feel like that. But look at Adam and Eve too. Same thing, same scenario, same scenario. So that is what brings about um, the kingdom of God. Um, difference between kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, as used in the Bible. All right, with that foundation laid, let's move to Matthew twenty-one from verse. I would love, love those read from verse thirty-three to um, forty-three, but we'll just go straight to forty-three. So or um, to forty-five, but let's just go straight to forty-three to pick out what we need. Now, um, we have seen the build-up of how the kingdom of God came, what made the Jews want to, um, not even want to, what made the Jews rebuff um, it, what, um, what you know, brought about the old disparity, what, on the side of the Jews, what brought about um, the suffering for the kingdom, and then what brought about the suffering from the side of we Gentiles. It's because there is a system in the world that is being ruled by the devil, you know, basically is leveraging on the, on the lust the man has. So he has leveraged on that, and that's why you see in the Bible that um, Christ even acknowledges it um, that Satan is the king of, is the god of this world. Don't forget, it's world and not earth. So the structure, the cosmos, this um, system of this world, devil, Satan is the one in charge of it. So we are having Christians who want to do the things of the kingdom in a system that is anti-Christ. So a system that is against Christ, or a system that wants to replace Christ, because the word anti-Christ there is best defined as something that replaces, not something that is in opposition. So you want to replace Christ, then you can be assured that it will be a tough call. So you are going to stand for the kingdom, it has to be the violent ticket by force. <laughs> I mean, that's to be someone who cherishes the kingdom, if not to give up. So um, 
Matthew 21 verse 43 now. Therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken, this is Christ speaking it. Therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to another people whom will produce the fruit of it. So we have talked about this often time that things about the kingdom has to be things that will produce fruits. So Christ came to the Gentiles, um, to the Jews, like, okay, so this is, I can see when he talked about the, this Syrophoenician woman, when um, she was speaking that, you know, you my child, child and everything, and I was like, I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. And the woman was like, even the crumbs, the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall off from the children's, from the table, while eating. So Christ was bringing the old salvation gospel to the Jews first, exclusively for them. Like, okay, this guy, uh, my people, you know, yeah, the one that represents the kingdom currently here on earth. So, he was bringing them to that position. But you can see here, after so much tribe, because they had so much religion, had so much um, thinking of what the kingdom should be, and they were missing out on the entry points. They were only looking at what it will be. They, they forgot about the entry points, what you usher it in. They forgot about the structure before filling up the rooms. Like they were so eager to enter into that dispensation of the kingdom, but they didn't know what the structure was that we accommodate them. You know, so the structure which God made clear in Matthew 16, which is the church, the church, as defined in Matthew 16, the church. So now we can see that after so much trying, you know, they were still repelling. Then Christ said, and you know, Jesus Christ himself said, Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God. Don't forget, this is Matthew that was very particular about using the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. So now he's saying the kingdom of God, which means the kingdom of heaven. That means during the millennium reign, they will still be the Jews who um, the headquarters will still be at Jerusalem. So he was not talking about just the physical aspect of things, and he was talking about the spiritual, which Christ brought to the Jews first. He said the kingdom of God will be taken. Um, excuse me. Okay, will be taken away from you and given to the other people who will produce the fruit of um, the fruit of it. So they were just to the um, nations, as it were, operating there on earth, the Jews and the Gentiles. The other people were not Jews; they were the Gentiles. Those are the people who were seen as dogs and everything. Say, so, okay, so since I've brought this to the children and children have refused it, I'll just take it to the dogs who will profit with it. So, um, if you check the parable, there's another parable of the kingdom that Christ told about, and it was about um, this um, what's the name? I think it was just I, before then, but it's in the book of Matthew. I can't remember the exact verse. When he was talking about a, a, a farmer who has a wine press and everything, and then he said, when it was time to get reward, he sent his servant, then they killed the servants. The people he rented the place out to kill the servant, then he sent his son, then he killed his son. Then he was asking them, it's actually verses before this place, so if you have the luxury, you can read it. So, when he got there, it was when he sent his son, now they killed his son, then he asked them, what should that man do or what should that the owner of the field or bind do and they went with their mouth they're saying and these people are not worthy of such um leader then should uh, we should go fight them and do all that they gave their judgment so <laughs> they didn't know christ was speaking parables to them which is a very interesting read so you can read from verse 33 down to verse 5 you get to what i'm talking about so he was speaking in parables like, okay so he now said after speaking in parables that the kingdom of god as you understand it that should be an exclusive reserve for the jews will now be extended to the gentiles now if the jews or the gentiles want to enter it has to be strictly by the path that i've laid open um, for the Gentiles. So the Jews, you know, they're feeling, no, we are not the common people, you know, the special people, you know, that um, sense of self-righteousness. So they thought, no, we can't do that. We can't be on the same level as the Gentiles. This can't be God and everything. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, but we can see that Christ, at this point, Christ moves the gospel of the kingdom, as it were, you know, spiritual and physical combination. He has to move it now. He has to extend it to the Gentiles because he knew they were going to profit with it. So this is the part where the gospel crossed down to us. That is why you and I can be saved. 
this is the position where you and I can be saved. So, um, to look at the gospel of um, the kingdom uh, of Christ that was of, of God, or the gospel as it were, that was extended to the Jews, there's a particular man we have to look at, and that is Paul. So, we we'll do extensive study about the life or the message Paul brought to the church. But to just affirm that, um, let's finally read Acts 26. Acts 26. So, let's see the commission Paul was given. Um, Acts 26. From verse 15. Alright, so, and I said, Who are you, Lord? This was when God stopped Paul when he was going to persecute and said, I'm the Lord, I'm the God, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you to serve, to serve, that is, to anoint you to serve as a minister and, a, and as a witness, to testify with authority, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Choosing you for myself and rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to. So we can see here, okay, let's just read verse 18 now to wrap up if I say anything. To open their spiritual eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Now, this even shows that it's either you are under the influence of the power of God or you are under the influence of the power of Satan. So it's, it's, a, it's a battle of kings or battle of kingdom. So um, we'll talk about that later, don't worry. Um, that's next week. That they may receive forgiveness and release from their sins and have inheritance among those who have been sanctified. That is set apart, made holy by faith in me. So Christ brought in the um, true Paul brought in dispensation of um, of being saved. That is grace, true faith. And um, as we see that it's um, after the millennium reign. The next, the new heaven and the new earth will be for those who have been sanctified. And we have seen here, Christ appointed or anointed Paul, Paul for this end to take the gospel, the good news about Christ, to the Gentiles. So, if you are going to understand what grace is, if you are going to really understand the entrance or the kingdom of God, you have to look at the, the man called Paul. You have to look at what he brought to the Gentiles. And don't forget that, the, um, as we saw in Matthew 26, that the kingdom of God was taken from the Jews. So, it was now taken to the Gentiles. So, the Jews deserve their time at the millennium reign, but the kingdom of God has been taken from the Jews to the Gentiles. So, if there's, for this time and space, this time and space we find ourselves, this dispensation we find ourselves, if there's anything that will bring you to the kingdom of Christ, if there's anything that will usher you to the kingdom of Christ, that's to be through the message Paul preached. And Paul, by no means, I know there is that school of thought that thinks Paul was preaching about grace alone, you know, which, which um, people see as a license to sin, as a license to sin. But no, I mean, Paul was just preaching about grace because, as we see later on, um, there's next week, you see that grace is actually just a, is an entry point, is a way to show you how to enter into the kingdom, which is true salvation and which, which happens by faith. Yeah, as you see later, you see later, don't worry, we'll take, we'll take enough time next week. So, that's just to show us that in our time and space to understand the kingdom fully, we have to look at the man called Paul because Paul was the man sent to the Gentiles, was commissioned and anointed by God to the Gentiles, to explain the kingdom, to present the kingdom to them. So the way to enter into the kingdom, the way to live in the kingdom, you know, what is expected of us in the kingdom, we have to look at Paul, we have to look at the message Paul wrote. So um, I think we're going to stop here today. Um, we have said a couple of things, some of things are extremely new to some of us, some of things are not new to any of us, but please, um, I will, I will join us to go and research these things out. Find it out for yourself. 
let it be your conviction. You can't outsource your conviction. Let it be a personal conviction, things that you have searched out for yourself. I've also listened to messages, I've also read articles. But I had to do the searching out for myself by the help of the Holy Spirit. So I will enjoy you to do the same and hold on to the truth. So thank you. Um, I mean, same time, same station, we continue this. Looking into Paul next week, Sunday. God bless you. Have a fruitful weekend. Bye.